Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. We're now pretty deep into the season. We're getting towards the end of June. And it's already happened twice this season already. But it's it's, it's interesting looking at mid-season manager changes and trying to actually evaluate, like, how effective they are at actually changing a team's fortunes. Because, I mean, you look at the team like the Phillies and you would say, oh, it makes a difference. You know, they they fire Girardi and immediately start playing better as a team. But then you look at a team like the Angels. They went 18 and three. Yeah. <laughs> Season turnaround right there. But then you got a team like the, the Philly, I mean, the Angels who fired Joe Madden and it's basically been the same thing for them since then. Nothing's really changed. Did you hear the whole thing with Joe Madden? So uh, apparently before he was uh, actually let oh, go, he, I had, I heard he had a mohawk. Cut yeah, his head if he was going to walk into you know what a sixty-eight-year-old Joe Madden Try, trying to do something. shock the team. Yeah, well, unfortunately, he's the one that got shocked. Yeah, he <laughs> walked in. It's like, oh wow, you cut your hair. That's not a good look for your future job interviews, Joe. <laughs> so, um, saw that you know, um, okay, so how how how's it gone over the years, right? And and I, all I could really find that was really easy to find from Bleacher Report um, was that um, since nineteen eighty-seven, this was in two thousand and ten. So you're only talking about. Uh, 23 years, mm-hmm. there have been 81 mid-season managerial changes, which is a lot. It's a lot to uh, think it'd know, be that right. many in that short of time right. period. Um, of course, Tommy Lasorda had retired during that after suffering a heart attack, so that's not really fair. But anyways, 80 of those changes, only 19 of those teams played better than a 500 baseball after the change was made. Some just barely. Now, at that. when you think about it, it's not that surprising that few teams have played over 500 baseball because generally a good team isn't making a midseason managerial. Oh, we'll change. get to one of those later. I got a good for you on that one, but okay. But it's unusual for the most part. Most of the time you're making a midseason change like that because things aren't going well. Right, right. The 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 old saying was you can't fire 25 guys. So you fire the one guy and hope that somehow these guys are going to wake up, and occasionally it works, and we tend to remember. The the cases where it works much Not more. Not so much the ones that don't. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of it is that probably comes from it's way easier to attribute the, the success that they have. Like, oh, well, obviously once they made the change, that was the difference, when sometimes it might just be as simple as like, well, yeah, and then also later in the year, all of their good players came back or something. So if, if the Phillies were, and, and you know, they've got a giant, a more giant problem now because um, the the current manager, Phil Nevin, is he? Is he I want to say, yeah. He, um, uh, he no, it's not him. He's managing in, in the at the Angels, right, at the right. Angels, I think. Right. Uh, and I'm and I'm blanking on the Phillies manager. Uh, pull it up for me while I find find. Anyway. Um, you know, he was a really good manager, right? For those first 21 games, they won 18 and three. And then Bryce Harper broke his thumb, um, last night or over the weekend here. Um, Rob Thompson. Robbie Thompson is the, is the manager who's, you know, good baseball man, you know, fine. And, but you know, he, if you have to live up to being 18 and three, you know, that, that's a, that's a little, yeah, much. obviously so you're not, not going to maintain that. Yeah. But the, the, in, in the case of the Phillies, you know, they have a lot of hitters in the team. They weren't hitting as well and they have started hitting. So that's coincidence. Just a change of, of, uh, uh of scenery, if you will, by having the manager in there, it, it might have helped. It might have momentarily. What you really have to look at is, I think it, it really only works for a team where you have a, like a, a, a young team that's underperforming. I don't think switching the manager is going to do that much for them. An older team like the Phillies, 
switching the manager might do something for them because I could see shaking a clubhouse like that out of its funk can lead them to doing something like going on this crazy run that they've been on. But even then, after all that, they're still like eight or nine back. Right. So, you know, and, and you've got managers even this season on the hot seat, one of them, Tony La Russa, uh, because it isn't going as well this year. And uh, we were talking about that. The White Sox fans are calling for his head, you know, get rid of Tony. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the kind of change. You know, you look at the White Sox and they're having a disappointing season. And obviously a lot of that is just because of the crazy number of injuries they've sustained. And it's hard to. Right. Right. So the new manager that were to come in and take over Tony La Russa, well, if they get back Eloy Jimenez and all of a sudden Giolito comes back all so that makes you a much better manager. <laughs> now, here's the flip side of that, though, is if you're already not aboard the LaRusa train, the last thing you want is him getting like another year because like, oh, well, they were hurt this year. So we really didn't get to see what he could do. You know, he wasn't managing the actual White Sox team. The last thing you want to think about is having to deal with another full year of him. Scott Service of the Mariners is another guy who's like you know, on the hot seat. Really? Are you going to fire Scott Service because the Mariners are are, are obviously not playing as well as I we think, thought this year? I, I think if you're a Mariner fan, I think if you're if you're there's no reason that team should not be, especially given how weak overall the AL is outside the AL East. But do you do you think that do they have the heir apparent right there going? Oh, of course we want this guy because he's the guy we wanted all along from a fan standpoint or even an organizational standpoint. That's the question. See, that's the thing. I don't know. There's probably somebody out there that would be a better fit for them, but I don't think you could get them to come in in the middle of the year. Yeah, and and a service the reason that Kyle Lewis hasn't played for them this year, or and they've gotten really good years out of some players you wouldn't have expected, like Ty France yeah, and yeah, JP Crawford, two of our fantasy two, stalwarts yeah, this two, year, like, two guys that are having unbelievable seasons for them. So. I, I don't I don't know if that and the same reason like Davey Martinez being on the hot seat. So they win the World Series in 2019. They're terrible now. They don't have great players beyond Juan Soto. And the only reason you would have Davey Martinez on the hot seat is because you don't think he's the right guy to help develop the next team. But, but, but you don't even know what that team is. So it makes no, even though they did put him in one of the lists on he's on the hot seat. Right. So, so you're going to make change the manager. Does it make your fans happy to do that? Do you want to fire Mattingly? We just watched the Marlins. Have they underachieved this year? Is he, is he? I- is it time for him to go? He's the no, longest no. tenured manager. I think it's interesting because you could probably for just about every manager of a team that doesn't have that's not like top of their division. So you're, you're saying if you're not talking about like right the top five teams in baseball, you could probably drum up an argument for just about right. anybody. We don't like the way our team's by. playing. Fire the manager. Well, because one, it's the only guy on the team you can actually lobby to have removed. Right. Hey, we used to yell, kill the up, so why not fire the manager? You know, exactly. It's, 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 but I, I think it is interesting thinking about like like what teams would benefit from a managerial change. Like, in season, though. In season. It's got to be in, in season. season. Oh, like, yeah, i got to yeah. think about a team that's underperformed. Like, the White Sox are the kind of team to me where if you think, you know what, as badly injured as we've been, the overall clubhouse mood and performance would be better if we had somebody other than La Russa at the helm. Okay, I could entertain that point me too. of view. Me too, me too. They 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 clearly have underachieved, but I don't know it's been managerial strategy or lack thereof. That's the reason that he's made some questionable plays, but La Russa has always made questionable plays. And there's plays. really no other team that was projected to be like pretty good. That's really hard underperforming, except kind of the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Uh, the White Sox and the Mariners would be the, the, the poster only, children for, the, for underperforming. Yes. Now, I could understand. See, so you, you look at a team like the Royals or you look at like a team, the Nationals, the bottom dwelling teams of the league. 
where you're like, well, what change are you hoping to get rid of Davey Martinez? I think because there is a level of play those teams can sustain that's so poor that you need to unfortunately have somebody pay the price for that. You know, if the Nationals... He'd have to be particularly bad at doing that. I don't think Davey Martinez is that guy, by the way. But if the Reds had maintained that crazy pace they were You almost have to do something. You almost have to do something at a certain point because you just have to, for the fans... Because the management, the fans say, well, clearly the management doesn't care. Right. (laughs) You have to show that, okay, no, wait a second, being this bad, like, okay, because you know what, if you're a National fan... You, you're a royal fan. You understand. You were never supposed to be good this year. That happens sometimes, and so it, it, you can be not good. It depends on the type of not good you are. I, I imagine we couldn't get a single red fan to come on this program and think that the ownership cares about the no, fans right now. No, no, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think anybody. I don't think would anybody exists. That. But I think there's a difference between the way they were playing in April and early May and the way that team is playing right now. So to, to show you how little we pay attention to this kind of stuff, uh, I, I dug up some five skipper switches that led to the playoffs okay and and what surprised me is you'll know everything here and you'll not remember and i don't think okay so here's the 2009 rockies right jim tracy replaced clint hurdle i remember that was a big deal because they were in first place helped guide the team from last place to a wild card berth remember all that i thought i thought (laughs) they replaced him when he was like doing well the rockies started the year 18 and 28 but finished the season with a franchise record 92 wins it lost in four games in the division series to the phillies um and tracy won manager of the year i remember the rockies maybe being in the playoffs at that time but boy i couldn't have because that was around the time they made the, their World Series run, right? No, that was not the year they went to. There was it the, was around the time. Around the time. Around the, I think they went in 07. Um, so um, 2008, however, the Brewers, Dale Svayam, um replaced Ned Yost. Was that the year they got CC? Uh, yeah. That, uh, let's see. Uh, the move was surprising um, for a team that was already in postseason contention. But an eight-game slump dropped Milwaukee to a tie for the NL wild card, prompted a change, and then the Brewers went seven and five. Oh, wait, hold on. Right. So they replaced the manager with 12 games to go. Right. So that's not a midseason manager change. That's like what a, is that? That's like a last-second emergency break like, call. What did he do? Did, they, did he bury some bodies or something? I, I, like that, that's almost one where you got to think something happened behind the scenes. If Milwaukee finished post postseason berth on the last day of the season, eliminating the Mets. Uh, who made a midseason managerial change of their own from Willie Randolph to Jerry Manuel. Oh, that was that was a dark time. That was not a, that was not a fun <laughs> That was season. a dark time. But the 2008 Brewers, so you can also go back to the 04 Astros. Now, now I, I just want to say that midseason manager change for the Brewers was only effective because the Mets backed themselves well, out of a playoff And I don't know why it's in the midseason manager change. Maybe it's, a sw- it's just skipper switches, it's so skipper, it's not midseason. Yeah. So how do you fire a guy with 12 games to go? i got to think he did something <laughs> untenable. Uh, did, uh, I'm not going to say it. All right. Um, 2004 Astros. Phil Garner uh, replaced Jimmy, J-I-M-Y, always with the one M, and Jimmy Williams is really a weird thing. I remember he managed Toronto, too. Um, with their eyes on a World Series run, the Astros loaded up, and they got Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit. This was the time. Carlos Beltran, as we know. Um, the club was going along at 500, and then they get rid of Jimmy Williams and replace him with Brewers and Tiger skipper Phil Garner, also a great Astro, obviously. Phil Garner was a very good Astro player. Uh, they defeated the Braves in the NL Division Series and lost to the Cardinals in seven games in the NL Championship that was the year. Series. That was the year Beltran had Went that epic. in the playoffs. Right, and, and, and that's, the kind of, that's the exact kind of team where, look, they were a mediocre team staffed with veterans and stuff. 
that made a midseason manager change because, okay, the, the skipper wasn't reaching these guys. So in that case, that feels like one of those ones where it kind of matches where it makes sense to make a manager change. Now, here's one of my favorites because, you know, you make a midseason manager, you make a change, and you go to the World Series, and you win the World Series. And that happened the year before that in 2003 when Trader Jack – uh, Jack McKeon, who was 107 years old that year, um, in perhaps the most successful instance of this, uh, they replaced Jeff Torborg, and, and he was a Met manager, and he was not a good manager for no. the Mets either. This, is, this was definitely maybe more addition by that so, by subtraction. So, uh, they started else. 16 and 22. The Marlins finished out the rest of the season going 75 and 49 and won the World Series um, uh, that season, and he was at age 72. He became uh, the oldest manager to win a World Series. Interesting that, like, that, that obviously. Obviously, that, that's a case where the known quantity of a bad manager getting replaced makes a lot of sense. We, we got a new Torborg wasn't great. But, but you know, to bring back – and Jack, had, I think, already managed in Florida before that, so this was his second go-around. Um, you know, it was – you know, I remember seeing him in the dugout and all that kind of stuff, and you're pretty sure he was, you know – Alive. You know, awake, you know, but you, you, know, you weren't 100% sure. So Okay, good. He's moving. <laughs> um. So I, I found a guy. I said, I want, well, let's, say, let's, let's talk about the, what I think is the weirdest one. You, I don't know how much you know about this stuff that went on with the Yankees in the late 70s. With, uh, the, didn't the manager and Steinbrenner hate each other? Yes, yes. So, so, Billy and, Martin. Right, right. Billy Martin and Steinbrenner. You're, yeah. you're 100% right. And so actually what that brings me to is something else before we get into that. And that is, so who fires the manager? Right. Generally, you have the manager reporting to the general manager, and, and the general manager would be responsible for the manager's t- and the team's performance. And the general manager is really the only person reporting directly to the owner. So the Yankees back in those days, they had general managers. Uh, Gene Michael was a general manager. But, but that didn't really matter because Steinbrenner did all the hiring and firing. And Billy Martin and George had a had a probably a hate hate relationship. I don't even call you call it acrimonious. A, a love hate relationship. And the, the the reason that I'm going to bring this up is on, on one of the times. Um, so so Billy Martin was fired and hired five times by the Yankees. In like how many years? In in a short amount of time. So he was fired for the first time during the 1978 season. Um, so during the season, the Yankees won the World Series in 1977. Okay, Reggie Jackson with the three home runs. That's all exciting. Everything's wonderful, and we're, in, we're, we're a good team. And they just hate each other. So he butts hells with Jackson and Lemon, does Billy Martin. And, 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 and no, he found, they found Lemon. They brought him in. And Lemon's a Hall of Fame player, right? So he was a manager other places. But he's like the antithesis of Billy Martin, Mr. Quiet, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he, he basically, after 14 games, 14 games. Into the next season, after they win the World right, Series. Right, they fire. Um, Billy Martin. Martin and and Bob Lemon takes over the team and they win the World Series again. They win back to back, back to back World Series. So then, in 1982, he gets fired. Bob Lemon does after 14 games, and who do they replace him with? Billy Martin. <laughs> That's the more unbelievable part that they would go back to Billy Martin after. That. So could you imagine? Could just could you imagine like today that kind of a circus where you fire the guy and you hire him back and you fire him and you hire him back? Does this this not this doesn't happen today? Oh no, it would be such a drama. And and and, and is it because everything is so much because you know, we didn't get information out as quick and you had to read the paper to find this stuff out to any any depth there wasn't an internet to have people talk about it ad infinitum and and basically you could have the cover of knowing when stories would run big and when you could release stuff wouldn't get as much attention like maybe uh, on a, on a 
on a Friday night or something like that, you do something. You Friday know, night off season before some big college football games. Nobody's paying attention to the baseball news. So, so I think um, what did he, he he Billy Martin was so incendiary. He would say something like about to Reggie Jackson and and Steinbrenner was one of them's a liar, the other's convicted. <laughs> and he's talking about Reggie and like 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 just you know to think that he could have been the manager and so but you hire the manager he wins the World Series and then you fire him for the guy that he replaced in the first place which I mean, is just weird <laughs> so but I imagine there was probably some bizarre Steinbrenner logic to it all uh, oh, oh I don't think there was much it was just emotion you know and 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 that's how it was and and Billy was you know I, I guess a good manager I, I always remember him um, separately being a manager of the A's and ruining four guys' arms back in like 1980 because he pitched them so much. The four starters, you know, through ridiculous innings. And I think every single one of them ended up with an arm problem, but that year they had a lot of complete games. That old school approach to, you know, pitch managing. (laughs) So you do, you do research. um, And I found something that was interesting. So it's like, okay, let me try and find a guy like who is a turnaround guy who, who, who like actually came in and made a difference. So I found a guy and and I didn't really know much about him. I'd heard his name. So the reason I'd heard his name was we did the episode on the 1920 Indians, mm-hmm. now Guardians, uh, who had the guy get Ray Chapman get right. killed by the pitch. So bring- that, that, which is probably if you're thinking about this now, that team also had a midseason manager change. No, that's it. That, that team did not. Oh, okay. The 1920 that, that they were managed by Hall of Famer Tris Speaker, who was. I was going to say. So I was going to say this thing. is going to be like the most interesting team of all time. But the catcher. Well, well it is very interesting because they had the triple play in the World Series. Anyway, um, the catcher on that team was a guy named Steve O'Neill. So that's where I had seen anything. So I looked at his playing career. Nothing of you know any no. particular. He pitched. He, he caught it for a long time. So, but he gets into managing, and he's a big man, league manager with four teams: the Indians, the Tigers, the Red Sox, and the Tigers won, win the 1945 series when he's the manager. So that's pretty cool. But yeah. every time he was hired, the team had a better record after he was hired, a winning record after he was hired. So he is like the turnaround specialist four different times. So he's hired by Walter Johnson, which I think is very interesting, in 1935 as the pitching coach, uh, and then Johnson gets fired, and he becomes the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so he led, leads them to 36 wins out of 60 games. Um, so they, they wreck, but you know, they don't win the World Series. They just, they're just a better team. So is it that you had to win you know, the whole thing, which he did in 1945. Right, he got a World Series ring, which is a big deal. Yeah, and that's that's kind of during the war. Those World Series in the, in the, in the mid-40s are a little weird sometimes when you see. That was the Hal Neuheiser um, pitcher who right. won back-to-back uh, MVPs on your trivia question of, yeah. guys, he's your pitcher who always wins the back-to-back MVPs uh, in that stuff. So O'Neill is, you know... Every team he pit, he served as a manager of the nineteen forty nine Reds, Red Sox um, and, and had a winning record after Joe McCarthy, who went on to lead the Yankees to all kinds of World Series. But he takes over there and is, has a winning record when Joe McCarthy couldn't. And the Phillies also in, in nineteen fifty two. The nineteen fifty Phillies were the Wiz kids. They went to the World Series. They lost. So he uh, always like came in to clean up the mess after these teams that had a bit of had success. been pretty good. Yeah, I think that's that. So they weren't bereft of talent, right? So my guess is that he was probably a good guy reaching in there and getting a team focused and back on track after they had fallen off a little bit. So I, I, I think we, we've kind of, you know, come to the conclusion that I, I guess it's better than sometimes doing nothing, uh, but I, I don't like the idea. Like, like, I'm not sure firing Joe Madden was going to fix the angels. this I, year. I think here's the problem. I guess you lost too many games in a row. I think here's the problem is that if you're already a bad, uh, you'd almost have to look at the rate 
And I'd imagine the rate of teams that would be in the position to make a managerial shift that don't make it and then get better and have a good season is probably lower than about the 25% of teams that make a managerial shift and do have success because of it. Right, right. We we already saw the numbers, right? So uh, it was what, 18 out of like 80. 80. So uh, that's that's 25%. So that's probably a better indication of what you should expect. I guess if you do nothing and you lose anyway, right. what's exactly. the difference? What's the difference? So if you make a change, at least you've got a shot. Right, right. But I, I can't think of, like, can you think of any season with, oh, if they would have changed the manager, that team really was underperforming. Despite the manager being so bad, you know, they, they, you know, I think it's hard because you almost never lay the blame like that at the manager's feet so indirectly or so directly, I should say. I, I've, I don't think I've ever felt that way. Like, oh, if only they had gotten rid of the manager. Right. I mean, managers can make I, mis- I, I mistakes. Guess, I guess a lot of Met fans felt that way last year. I was going to say that the managers make mistakes. And so I think Met fans. The, the, the Luis Rojas problem for the Mets was they felt he, I don't think he was great at game strategy. No. And he wasn't a, ter- a terrific motivator of them to get the players to play better because he was so soft spoken. And, and, and so there was no reason to keep him. Exactly. That's the problem. I think it's like one of those things Let where him learn on the job where, where also it's the kind of thing where you could probably, uh, I wonder if there's ever going to be a franchise that takes the opposite approach on this. And they're very aggressive with their managerial changes because success seems to come quickly to most good managers. When you bring them in, managers don't seem to need to have a lot of ramp up time where they got to figure the job out. I think you're right about that. I think that's very true. Like it's not everybody. The strategy is going to be the same. And so you might do things a certain way different. So if the guy isn't, you're not going to make a lot of mistakes. If the guy hasn't figured it out in his first 45 games, he's not going to figure it out after his first 160. It's not like he's putting the wrong guy in the batting order or making stupid mistakes that happen in high school games and stuff like that, you know, where you can get fired for, for doing something stupid like that. So it's, it's not going to be that kind of thing, particularly when you have a bench coach and a bunch of other smart guys that go, don't do that. You can't do that. You get, you get an entire <laughs> analytics department going. Right, to me. Right. Like, no, don't do that. Stop it. So, so I think it comes down to how are you relating to your players. And so, to me, a midseason manager change would almost talk to. I don't like the way our managers relating to our players. Yeah, the players are unhappy with the manager, and and, and, and we're trying to grow. If, even if we're not a contending team, or we're trying to grow this organization and, and do this, we don't think this is the right voice for these players. Right. So if I'm the Nationals, the only things I'm probably concerned about with Davy Martinez are: is he doing a good? Do the young guys on the team respond? Yeah, to yeah him? I think that's true. And does Juan Soto like him? <laughs> that's, well, and and, and unless, unless they don't sign him. If they don't sign Juan Soto, it doesn't matter who the manager is. <laughs> right. But you probably want to sign Juan Soto, so you want to make sure he likes your current manager. Because if you don't if he doesn't like the current manager, then you might go and replace him because it doesn't actually matter who the manager of this team is this season. You might go and replace Davy Martinez if Soto doesn't like him because you, you care more about keeping Soto happy. So I I'll give you one like you wouldn't change, I would think, in in season. And and they're not having a great season, but maybe not as bad as we thought the Arizona Diamondbacks and Tori Lavulo. I mean, good manager, you know, smart baseball guy, a capable guy, seems to relate as far as I can see to the players okay. Um, have they underperformed? Over, if they weren't expected to do anything in the first place. It's hard for me to say that a managerial shift would do anything unless there was a whole bunch of reports coming out, which is why a team like you might say, look, it's not LaRusso's fault that 
the White Sox are underperforming, that the injuries have led them to underperform, and that's why they've been inconsistent this year. But he still might still be the right move to move on from him yes, because of how disliked he is. Or so how we think. Again, or, or, we're, we're, our perception. perception is that it's that way. And, and so I'll do you one better, I said, because let's go back to Philadelphia yeah. and think, was Joe Girardi's voice in the, in, the, in the clubhouse near the end, the voice the Phillies really wanted with this team, the way things were going? You got to think it wasn't. Right. I think so too. He's too good a baseball guy. He's a he's a fine strategist. There's right. nothing wrong with Girardi. At there was all. something about his. They needed to change the, the narrative. The, the needed, narrative, the, the internal vibe of that or, team, or maybe as you said before, Bryce Harper didn't like him. Yeah, <laughs> and that probably could be enough if that were the case. Yeah, if the if the if the leaders on the team, you think if if Buck lost Francisco Lindor and Pete and Max and Jake. Mm-hmm. I don't think Buck would be the manager of the Mets right. for very long. As, as savvy as he is and as, as smart as he is, you're a less, and you're lesser of a manager. And that's what the good managers know. Is like, look, as much as it is. They know this, it's a player's league. It's a player's league. And if the star players on the, your team don't like you, your time is Or don't perform. To, or, it is even don't like you. They just don't have as good a year as you expect into the year. You're su- your team is sunk. Your job could be sunk, too. Your job too, could dude. be sunk, too. So, okay. Um, last question, then. Um the rest of the season, this season, we don't talk too much about current events, but maybe a little bit this time. Uh, any other managers going to get the axe? Who's Somebody if, will. Okay, if you had to pick one, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'll try to come up with one also. Who's going to go down this season? Hmm. Just because I don't want to be, a, I'll be a bit of a hipster just so I don't say La Russa after having talked about him so I'm, much. I'm okay if you do Kansas say. Kansas City's manager. Uh, that's, a, that's Matheny, right? Matheny, because they're so bad. I think that's a good call. And, and you know, Matheny's been a good manager been a good when man- he managed good teams. He, but I think the problem, and this is where it is, where the team is so bad and almost unwatchable, you have to make a move just to sell the fan base that you, you're not ignoring the team. Okay, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Kevin Cash. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see the Rays slumping a little bit and feeling like. They still are good enough to compete. We need to make a change and do if, it now. If I'm Kevin Cash, the thing weirdly, if especially... And they're well over 500. If, they're they're well, team. if, if you're Kevin Cash and things kind of just keep going, you just keep hoping the Yankees play like they are the rest of the way. Because then it's... It, no, nobody's, nothing you can do. You, there's nothing you could do. You could just be like, look, the Yankees had a year this year. There's nothing any manager could have done to fix that. Right, right. I mean, and, and I don't think it'll last at the, to the degree that it has. But the problem is, you've got other good teams in that division, mm-hmm. and 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 so Tampa's going to have a hard time, you know, beating those other three teams. And and I gotta feel Tampa feels this is our window right now. Right, right now. And you know they're injured you're too. Thinking, yeah, the Yankees are older, but you're thinking the Red Sox are pretty young, the Blue Jays are pretty young. This is our time. The We've or, been there. We know yeah. how. And we don't even have the luxury of having a really bad team is the worst team in our division the oreos are at least feist like you know the mets the mets kind of are lucky they get the nationals who are pretty putrid by all metrics the orioles are actually pretty feisty comparative to most last place teams except when they play the yankees except when they play the yankees they just <laughs> die they just roll over and die well hopefully no one's gonna remember too much about our predictions here because no. we're, we're probably both through wrong i'll probably both be wrong thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform Follow us on Twitter at Almost Hoops.